0: Okay, we're going to try to do it without the podium because do you know what happens when I have a podium? Yes, I get excited, I yell and scream, I walk around, I lose control, and uh, we get in the, and and my voice might get stressed. And we don't want my voice to get stressed. Amen. How's everybody? Are you good? So uh, so today may not be too preachy. It may be more talky. All right, you all right with that? So uh, I'm glad to see you all here though this morning. Do I sound okay? I sound funny, don't I? I still sound funny. This, I'm three weeks in and I sound a little funny. I'm still very nasally. Uh, i'm still I'm still plugged up I don't know how this could happen, but uh, nonetheless, uh, recovering from this sinus surgery and voice surgery, uh, I got hit with this massive infection. so I'm still kind of plugged up, my ears have been plugged so um, and um, I decided after uh, I, you're going to laugh maybe, but i've been on like antibiotics since the surgery. Uh, prednisone and antibiotics since the surgery, so I had all these uh, you know things up in my head, uh, and then I had calluses on my vocal cords. So I've been on medicine since the surgery, and um, so then I decided the other day I was sick and tired of the medicine, uh, so I decided to pray. So this is hilarious, but I had more result from one morning of prayer. Not that you know, not that I don't pray. But I just think it is funny. It is funny that when you're taking medicine, oftentimes then you don't really wax eloquent in rebuking the devil. Uh, and so I wasn't waxing eloquent whatsoever uh, in rebuking the devil. Uh, and so then I told, I mean, this, the medicine was not working. And I called the office. I'm talking to the assistant. I'm like, this stuff is not working. This is like, so, uh, so I went into prayer. I went into my authority mode, and uh, I got more breakthrough in one morning of authority than I did in uh, 12 days of medicine. Everybody say, God is good. Amen. So I want to talk today, though, a little bit about growing up and uh, uh, just about growing up in faith, growing up in God, and just kind of the process. Uh, I'm encouraged in church. I love church uh, uh, I should be pretty well grown. I should be, if church has anything to do with growing, I should be pretty well grown. Uh, cause I think in 56 years, I've only missed two Sundays of church in my entire life. Uh, one morning I was sick at home and I watched the Ed Sullivan show and the monkeys were on that morning. Hey, Hey, we're the monkeys. We're just monkeying around. You remember that? Uh, and another, another Sunday, I think I missed church. Uh, no three Sunday we 're up to three because when we were in Alaska, we skipped church. so I think I 'm up to three. Uh, so, and another one was a, a family vacation as well. so I think there 's been a couple family vacations where we've missed church, but otherwise, we just love church. Uh, we love church, uh, we believe in church, and for some odd reason we don 't make up excuses to miss church. And the crazy thing is like when I was growing up, like missing church was not good because church was the Sabbath to us. And so my dad wouldn't even allow us to work on Sunday because Sunday was our Sabbath. So we weren't allowed to work on Sunday. We weren't allowed to get jobs. Now it's interesting. Uh We weren't allowed to get jobs that would take us away from church. Um, the cool thing now is that uh, you know, uh, we just we can we can still love church and chase after God and grow in our relationship with the body of Christ. Amen. Uh, and and so I love it when you uh, prioritize church. And if you have to miss some of you are streaming now, isn't that cool? Uh, and so there's all sorts of other ways to to love the things of the family of God. Last week, uh, Chris spoke. Didn't he do a great job? By the way. Wasn't that just anointed and fun, and doesn't he make you feel good when he preaches? He just makes me feel good when when he preaches. He just, so much hope, so much life, so much anointing, so much refreshment, amen? And he spoke out of Acts 2.42, that was his his text, Uh, and he called it um, Upside Down Church, returning to AD 62, and... uh, and here's the verse, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. So he talked about, you know, just the cool parts of those elements and how important that is. And I was thinking, you know, uh, this week it was on my heart, how that really the, the, the God's goal for us is that we grow up. God's goal for us is that we grow up, amen? And God's goal for us is that we grow up into the image of Jesus, the likeness, the character, the power, the faith, everything about Jesus, everything about who he is, Yeshua, uh, the, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the founder, the beginner of a new race of people. Did you know that he started a new race of people? He is called the last Adam, He is called the last Adam. So by virtue of, and we're told this in 1 Corinthians 15, that we who bore the image of the first Adam and we bore the image of an earthy Adam, that God now purposes that we would bear the image. This is verse 49 of chapter 15, that we would bear the image of the heavenly Adam. And he he is the last Adam. Now by virtue of the fact that he started a new race of people, Uh, It is normal, natural, that we would bear his image, that we would be like him. Just like uh, naturally you bore the image of the first Adam, uh, now that you are born again, that is you're born now in God, born of the Spirit, born of his nature, that you have been recreated in God and made alive in your spirit, that you would now bear the image of him who created you. Jesus created the species called the believer, the Christian, and those who are in him, found in him, those who are in the last Adam. He created a brand new race, a brand new class of people who dominate all things, who live in victory, who are led from victory to victory, who live in the sweet aroma of his victory. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? So I was thinking about kids because the Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual, right? And what it means by that when Paul wrote that part of what he was saying in that context is that we can learn a lot about the spirit realm by looking at the natural realm, yeah? And so just thinking about the natural realm, and I hope this is not too simple, but I hope it's also simple enough that we can grasp it but deep enough that it moves us. So thinking about the natural realm, I was thinking about how that, that really the goal with all of us, and we have four children, uh, and the goal with all of us who have children uh, is, is not so much the incremental goals along the way, but the goal is that those children become mature, fulfilled, productive, right. blessings to the culture, to society, to their family, that they, that they become productive members of the earth. Amen? So that's our goal, right? Is that our goal? So now we think about all of the incremental things along the way. We rejoice when we move from uh, diapers to pull-ups. Uh, we rejoice when we move to pull-ups to pull-downs. We rejoice when we, when we move from kindergarten to first grade. And we rejoice over every incremental step, right? We rejoice from baby barf, I mean baby food, to whole food, right? I mean, we rejoice with every incremental step. But the thing for us to think about, even with our own children and the natural realm, is that the goal is not that they would go to school. The goal is that they would receive education that would produce formation that would bring them into maturation. Is that right? Now, now here's the deal. School is a big part of that. We know that many benefit from school, and many who refuse school, avoid school, they uh, have in their lives the effect of that harm or the, the way that affects them with regard to the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not school. The ultimate goal is education that brings transformation, that results in maturation, so that they can fully function. Is that right? So as we think about as we think about uh, education, that's one of those things uh, that is so very important. And there's all sorts of incremental things like that along the way as we think about our own children. And so then I was thinking about. Uh, The the walk of the believer, the walk of the Christian, and the goals along the way, or the goals, or the things that we so many times emphasize are really not the ultimate goal whatsoever. The ultimate goal is that we bear his image. Now the funny thing is, as we see in Acts 2.42, and as we'll talk about today, I want to talk about four elements today. Uh, As we see in Acts 2.42, where they gave themselves to prayer, they gave themselves to fellowship, they gave themselves to the apostle teaching, uh, they gave themselves to the breaking of bread. Uh, there, There are things woven into the Christian life that actually are not the goal, but they actually feed into the goal. They actually support the ultimate goal, but they're not the ultimate goal. How many of you know that? Now, for instance, the goal is not church. The goal is not church attendance. Let me say it that way. But what we find is that the maturity that is God's goal for us is fostered and encouraged, helped, and benefited through church attendance. Yes? So we could say, "Well, I don't really want anything to do with church. I don't think church is all that cool. I don't think church is that amazing. I don't think I need to be. Uh, I don't think I need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't think you need to go to school to be a human." <laughs> Does going to school help you become a mature human? Yes. Does going to church help you become a mature Christian? Yes. Even rubbing shoulders with all the weirdos at church. Even, even putting up with all of the fruitcakes at the coffee bar. Taking a weird hug from the welcome center guy. Uh, shaking hands with somebody that just blowed their nose, uh, whatever. I mean, there are all sorts of elements of church that will help you become this mature Christian. The idea that God has in mind is not church attendance. It is the fullness of Christ, the fullness of the image of Jesus. He wants you walking on water. He wants you paying your taxes out of a fish's mouth. He wants you healing the sick. He wants you delivering those who are afflicted. He wants you living as a master over all things. He wants you subduing devils. He wants you free from all affliction and bondage. He wants you so victorious that you have the joy of the Lord that is unquenchable. He wants the fruit of the Spirit pouring out of you like some kind of a fruit tree that is unstoppable. He wants you so irresistible that people are coming up to your little orchard tree personality and wanting to pick fruit from you all the time. That's what he wants. Let's so read a couple verses on this. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Are you with me so far today? Ephesians chapter 4. Do I sound funny still? I sound real funny to me. Okay, but guess what? I'm recovering. Hey, the Sunday before the surgery, uh, the Sunday before the surgery, uh, this encouraged me. Uh, I'm back in the back shaking hands, and one of you, one of you said, "Hey, I had a dream about you." And I said, "You did?" And they said, "Yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. You went into a room, and like you were gone into this room for a while, and when you came out, you were like all new." And I said, well, that's cool. I'm having surgery this week, and I'm believing that when I come out of this, I'm going to be all new. Isn't that cool? Hey, so those little trite dreams that you have about one another that you think are no big deal, share those dreams. Because that dream encouraged me and sustained me over the last three weeks. I love somebody. So isn't that how... Funny how God will deposit. See, God wants us to work together, love one another, build up one another. And so God will deposit something in you for somebody else instead of giving it to them directly so that you would be used of God to give it to them so that you are built up in the giving and they are built up in the receiving. And that's called the body of Christ building itself up in love. Isn't that cool? We are members of one another. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. we have been baptized into the body of Christ and we are members of one another and whether you came in today or you came in 30 years ago, you are part of my family and 1 Corinthians 12 says, it is foolish for you to say, I don't need you. That's like saying, the hand saying to the toe, I don't need you. That's like the ear saying to the eye, I don't need you. You have been brought into a body with me and me with you, and we are both valuable in this body, and we need each other, and God wants to bless us through each other, that we would all be built up into the fullness of him. The goal is him. Amen. Woo! I'm preaching better than you're shouting. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is verse 7 of Ephesians 4. To each one of us, grace was given. Everybody say grace. Grace is empowerment. Grace is an endowment. Grace is unmerited, uh, uh, an un- unmerited outpouring And so Christ has given us a gift. In other words, he's handed you a baton. That baton is actually a portion of him. It is a portion of him that you are to run with in your generation. It includes power. It includes enablement. It includes gifting. It includes strength. It includes undeserved supernatural endowment from God into your account. Amen? Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, verse 8, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave his gifts to men. Now that's talking about when he ascended, then he was no longer going to be here. This is why he told the apostles uh, who were the disciples, he said, it's good that I would go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to come back to you, but I'm going to come by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to send myself to you. I'm not supposed to get excited. Be still and calm down. Now, uh, now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth, and he who descended is him who also ascended above all things, uh, above the heavens, that he might fill all things. That's so cool, too. That's so cool, too. That's amazing. He has ascended that he might release his enablement to us, that we might all be filled. Ephesians 1, 21 through 23, he has filled us. We have become the fullness of him. Not the partiality, but the fullness of him. And he's made these deposits in us that where two or three of you are gathered together, there is he in his fullness. Where two or three of you are gathered together, there he is in his fullness. That's why we esteem and we honor one another because he will show up through one another that through two or three of us the fullness of him will be manifested. Now, that also keeps us humble because none of us, including me, has the fullness of Jesus. We're interdependent on one another. We're growing into the fullness. We share the fullness. And together, we operate in the fullness. That's why another reason why the church is so important. Because we're more full together than we are apart. Amen. And he gave some as apostles, as some as prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the the equipping, for for the growing up, for the edification, for the building up, for the equipping of the saints and the building up of the body of Christ until, everybody say until, until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. Wow. Wow. So he's given, now I like to think of the church as like mom and dad. And I love instant in season and out of season. Jack has an anointing on his life. I needed his voice this morning. Here he comes up here to help us. Uh, uh, I, I love to think of, of, of all of us coming together uh, as we serve in the church, as we are partaking in the local church, then the expression of Jesus is manifested in the church and the church at its, at its calling and its responsibility becomes mom and dad to the body of Christ. And we all come in as kids. We all come in in diapers. We all come in in, in diapers and we all come in. First Peter 1 says, 1 uh, Peter 1, uh, sincerely desire a crave, it actually says. Crave. Uh, you ever seen a hungry baby? Uh, uh, First Peter, First Peter one, says, uh, "Sincerely desire or crave." It's First Peter, sorry, First Peter two two. And if we've got it, we could throw it up on the screens. First Peter two two, that we would crave, that we would crave the milk of the word. The word of God is called milk, and it's called meat because it causes us to grow. When the word of God comes, then the word of God, it is education, it is transformative, it's transformation, uh, it brings maturity, it grows us. So the word of God is compared in one metaphor to milk and even another metaphor in Hebrews 5 to meat that the Word of God has milk and the Word of God has meat. In other words, as you progress in the Word, as you continue to grow in the Word, as you crave the Word, feed on the Word, then you'll continue to grow in education and transformation to the point where you're moving from Gerber into higher levels. Levels where you chew it more, but you also get more protein aminos and strength and growth. Amen. And so you're growing in the word, and in the metaphor, the idea is that that you might start in the you might start in the smaller or the, the simpler things of the word of God. But the more you crave it and the more you feed on it, the more you'll graduate into higher levels in the Word of God. And and the word of God is the word of God is not only that which transforms, but we're thrown into, we are drawn into, we are knit into these families of the body of Christ where the word of God is served, where the word of God is fed us. And so as we feed on the word of God that has served us, then we continue to grow. Amen. So it's so fun. I like to think of church as like as like mom and dad. And you know, uh, uh, initially, uh, mom and dad is helping us uh, develop disciplines, and mom and dad is helping us grow, and mom and dad is changing our diaper. And you know, I you know, if you're newer in the body of Christ, you're newer in your walk with God, uh, then there might be several. You know, there might be several things that happen in your pants. If you're older in the body, uh, then you might not have so many accidents. As you grow, you have less and less accidents. I'm just telling the truth. And so initially, you might feel like, "Man, I'm just a mess. I got to call on my small group leader all the time, and I got to call on the pastor all the time, and I got and I got to stop into the church all the time. i like, I need explanations on stuff, and I don't know what in the world, and I'm just, I just like a mess." No. No, you're just growing. You're just growing. This is good. This is good. Don't let the enemy trick you, deceive you, make you feel shameful or like a worm or like, you know, it's just no, oh, this is good. Keep keep desiring to grow. Keep desiring to learn. Keep desiring to press in. Why? Because you're graduating. Amen. You're moving out of the pull-ups. Amen? Uh, and so Ephesians 4, we're in Ephesians 4. Uh, he gave uh, apostles prophets now this is this is cool, but he sets these he sets these these uh, roles of equipping in the church that we might equip that he might equip and and as we grow, then he even begins to develop. Us who are growing into some of these roles, we begin to realize, oh my goodness, there's there's something developing within me. There's like a teaching gift developing in me. There's a a prophetic gift developing in me. There's an evangelistic gift developing in me. And so we begin to, as we grow, we begin to realize a little bit about ourselves, and we begin to bring those gifts back to the body of Christ to bless, to equip, to strengthen others in the body of Christ. Amen? So where we were once being strengthened, now we become a strength giver. And this is all the, the things that are interacting in the body of Christ because the body of Christ, the local assembly that we're called to, the church that we're knit to, God says that he sets us in families. 1 Corinthians 18 says, don't shop for a church." Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you because he puts you in a body right where he wants you. Now, you can shop for his leading, but don't, you know, don't, we don't shop for churches like we do shopping malls, like we do a dress sale, or like we do a, a Harley shop or a motorbike, we, you know, a Craigslist ad. We shop for churches by really pressing in to ask the Holy Spirit where he wants us, plant us, that we would grow and be knit to the family that he has in mind for us. Because it's in this family. This is like mom and dad here. The whole family serves as this spiritual mom and dad helping us grow and, and really become who he's ordained us to be. It says that this growth will happen until we attain to the unity of faith, until we receive the knowledge of God, the knowledge about the Son of God. We become a mature man. A mature man is the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And when this happens, verse 14, as a result, we're no longer children tossed to and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men or the craftiness of deceitful scheming but instead we speak the truth in love and we grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body, that's us is fit and held together by that which every joint supplies that's why we love and need each other according to the uh, proper working of each individual part which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Isn't that cool stuff? Wow. Everybody shout. There was no inappropriate shout right there. That's right. You could have said yes. You could have said wow. You could have said awesome. You could have giggled. All of that. Amen? So I was thinking about the elements of the church, the elements of the church that foster growth and how that really, even with our own children, we need a multifaceted uh, approach to raising kids. How many of you know that? Um, There's a multifaceted approach to raising kids. So I'm thinking about how, how this multifaceted approach is God's approach as well to raising us. And some of this I'm extrapolating out of Acts 2.42. Some of it I'm extrapolating out of other New Testament scriptures and just thinking on some of this. For instance, we really need worship. Now, we come, you know, church is weird. You come, into, you come into church and they're having a song service, and that's weird. And it's interesting, too, it's interesting that when you go to when you go to Oh, I don't know if I should go there. But, okay, I won't. But it's kind of interesting. It's odd that you come into a church service and they're having a song service, you know, that they're, that they're worshiping God. And some people have their hands up and some people are, you know, just swaying to the music. Slow dancing, swaying to the music. Me and my God. The slow dancing, the original, the original, the 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 foundation of all love and the love relationship is with us and God, and me and her are a mirror of that relationship. Amen. And so we come in, and that's you know that's how we enter in. And and David said that we would do this, that we would enter into his courts with thanksgiving that we would enter into his gates with praise amen and so this is how we kind of begin and inaugurate our fellowship our friendship with him is with worship and worship is super important now worship is important because it is ministry to jesus it's thanksgiving it's honor It is a super important part of the Christian life and a super important part of the expression now of the church. And it's what we draw you into built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. It's what we draw you into as mom and dad helping you grow. We, the church, we serve as mom and dad and we are helping you grow. And so you come in and you come into this atmosphere of worship. Now, worship is set to music, and music and worship bypasses the brain and the reasoning of the mind and touches the depth of your spirit man. And that's part of why worship is so important is because you will sing things and you will receive things and you will say things to music and you will process things in music that bypass your reasoning and and the arguments of the mind. And begin to move you at a deep level so that now up out of the Spirit your mind begins to receive and it begins to yield and it begins to agree with the things of the Spirit. Because they're set to the song of worship and they're energized by the notes of music and they're visited by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So worship is super, super important. It opens our hearts up. It gets us prepared to receive the word. And it moves us into a reciprocal relationship with God. What do I mean by that? Galatians 6, 7, and 8. If we sow our heart into the spirit, then we, we will reap from the spirit. It sets us into a place where as we bless him and bring sacrifices, then he begins to bless us by stamping on our heart his love and his identity. It's like a giant, giant, lazy boy chair where Papa's sitting in the chair and in worship we climb up on his lap and he begins to nurture us. Now, nurture is one of the things that we do in a healthy family. Yes, I send them to school. Yes, I make sure they get teaching, training, and education. But I also spend a lot of time in what I would call nurture mode. Nurture is a part of healthy... Now, do I want to live in nurture? No. Do I want to nurture all day? No. Do I want to hug you all day? No. I want you to clean your room, and I want you to do your homework. Is nurture important, though? Yes. Is it a part of every day? Yes. What happens in nurture mode? You climb up on my lap, and I tell you who you are. You climb up on my lap, and I imprint on you your worth and your value, and I declare over you the blessing, and I set vision over you, and, and, I, and I talk about your future, and I hold you, and I wash off of you the lies of the neighbor and the bully and, and the injury and the failure. Are you with me? Yeah. This is what happens in worship. So worship is vital to a church. Is a church only worship? No. Is a, if a church was only worship, would it help you grow? Remember, the goal is not worship. The goal is that you would bear the image of the Son. The goal is that you would bear the image of the Son, that you would mature into the fullness of Him. The goal is not worship. The goal is that you would become like him. Worship is a part of that transformational process. Worship is so important because it's in worship that the rhema of God visits me. It's in worship that I open my heart to receive from him. As I'm expressing love to him, then he begins to express love to me. It is a deep place of receiving his nurturing love and his nurturing voice. So that's why... We take time for worship. That's why worship is a vital part of even your day. That's why we we harp on this. As mom and dad, we say, do you have daily devotions? Are you taking time to worship? Do you have a dark room somewhere where he develops your negatives into positives? Come on. on. Are 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 you getting in a worship environment where it's not so much about your petition? Now, prayer is important as well prayer is important, but worship and prayer, though they interact and though they have similitudes, prayer is different. And I'm going to talk to you about that in a moment. But part of why we say we want you not only to worship in the house, but we want this house to foster worship within you, that you become a worshiper so that during your day and as a part of your day, you have worship as an expression, as a lifestyle, and as a, as a comma, as a comma, that you've got to. A, a, a place somewhere during your day where you're taking where you're taking time to just listen to him and worship him, and worship is ministering unto Jesus and declaring his worth and his value in Acts chapter thirteen verses one and two it says, As they ministered unto Jesus, then all at once the Holy Spirit showed up. And began to make prophetic deposits over them. What opened the door for the prophetic deposits from the Holy Spirit? It was their ministering unto Jesus. Amen? So this is vital, it's important. Amen? Prayer is important. Prayer is important. So we pray as a church, we pray as a body, we pray. Uh, we have prayer opportunities. We're teaching you to pray. We're encouraging you to pray. We want you to have a prayer life. We want you to have prayer times. We want you to become people of prayer. Now, prayer initially is like prayer initially starts out as you're new in the word and new in your salvation. Prayer initially starts out as a total dependent relationship, asking him for everything, totally dependent on him. And you're like this baby bird, and you're bringing everything to him. And prayer starts out that way, in total dependence. But it's interesting, as you grow by abiding in the Word, as you grow in the Word, as you grow by responding to the Word, the Word that comes in teaching, The word that comes in training, correction, reproof, the word that comes in worship to you prophetically, the word that He's maturing you in. As you abide in the word, then prayer moves from just a dependent relationship into an independent relationship. Do you know what I mean by that? What I mean by that is He begins to deputize you in the word and as you pray you begin to stand in the place of Jesus and you may begin to call things to change you may begin to speak to mountains you begin you may begin to declare things are transforming you may begin to confront spiritual realities you may begin and so things begin to change from just petitioning into an interdependent relationship where in prayer you begin to get these downloads from God where you as a deputy begin to declare these things as if God. Hello? Are you with me? All right, so prayer is important. Uh, Education is important. Uh, The Bible says that the Word is good for teaching this is 2 Timothy 3.16, that the Word of God is good for teaching, training, correction, and reproof. One of the reasons why we love the Word, we, we embrace the Word, we want times for teaching. In our small groups we have teaching, at, in our gatherings we have teaching. Teaching is valuable because the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is transformative. The Word of God is alive. Did you know the Word of God is alive? Now, what do we mean by that? That, What we mean is that when you hear the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, that something happens. The Holy Spirit visits the words that you're hearing and causes the words you're hearing to become the living Word of God in your heart. So, the Word of God is a living thing. The Word of God is alive. Isn't that cool? And so this is one of the one of the elements that we make room for is the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, there's so many other great passages about the Word of God and how important the Word of God is. And fourthly, I, I want to say uh, another a uh, part that is super important to the body of Christ, another portion of what we do uh, that is super important to the body of Christ is ministry. Ministry, serving, giving. First Peter four ten says, and it goes. It, it corresponds with First Corinthians twelve eighteen through twenty eight. That whole section on gifts. 1 Peter 4.10 says, even as we have been given gifts, we've been given gifts. Every one of us have been given gifts. Now it says that we would employ those gifts in serving one another. Now I'm going to call this stewardship. Even in your own family, as children grow up in the family, part of what we rejoice over is them using what it is we're training them in. Solving their own math problems. Making their own purchases. Mowing the lawn. Amen? Setting their own alarm and getting up. Fulfilling their chores. Yeah? doing the dishes, giving back to family members, caring for somebody even beyond themselves. Don't we rejoice in that stuff? And in many ways, this is stewardship. This is stewardship. This is us now taking the gifts that God has given us and the deposit that God has made in us. And taking the word that we're growing in and receiving, taking the downloads that have come in prayer, taking the Rhema and the nurturing that's come through worship, and now employing all of that in serving one another, becoming good stewards of the gifts of God. Can you say amen? And and this is part, this is this is maybe The ultimate, the ultimate of what God is rejoicing in, because it's our stewardship, our employing of all that he's giving us that shows the depth of our maturity. That's really what shows that we are becoming fully sons of God. Amen? So, these four elements, I, I I love. It's like it's like the stool I'm sitting on. If I took one of these legs out of this stool, uh, I would probably lose my balance and fall over. This particular stool has three legs, four legs, and it needs all of those to hold it up and to hold me up. Amen. And I, I, I'm just I'm rejoicing in the grace that is in the church. When you when you come and join us, you're not just going to church. When you come in and, and the music is started, you're not just attending a song service. When you hear a sermon, you're not just hearing another sermon. When you sign up for outreach or for any particular gathering or small group or expression of the body, You're not just going to be a helper. All of these play in to the elements of your maturation. All of these are valuable and important to the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that you are being made into the image of the Son. You are coming into the likeness of Jesus That you would walk as he walked. That you would talk as he talked. That you would live like he lived. You have to get this. You have to get this. What he did for you was not just to save you. Church is not about just dispensing forgiveness to a bunch of worthless worms who are going to go back out and blow it again all week. And so you've come for your ecclesiastical forgiveness. No, 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 no. What he did for you was way beyond forgiveness. It was that you might become sons of God. And it's not a gender thing. the, The essence of sons, it's that we would understand that you become the highest level of those who inherit the fullness of God. You become you become you daughters of God as well. You become those who are at the highest level of those who are graced by God, empowered by God, walking with God, supernatural beings in the earth. We are not waiting for the rapture or for heaven for you to become supernatural beings. You are right now supernatural beings. That which is normal or natural for you is supernatural. You now have the power to do what you could not do before. He has totally changed you. And we... We are helping you understand who he's made you to be. And all that we do, it is made, it is built, it is structured so that you grow in learning who he's made you to be. We can't make you more a son of God. We can simply help you understand who you are. Help you arrive at the destination of the fullness of coming into who he's made you to be. You are a transformed one, and you're growing in your understanding of becoming that transformed one, fully in his likeness. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just all across the auditorium, if you would, as you stand, just make the place where you are just a place of thanksgiving. Right there, make make it a place of thanksgiving. Just begin to thank Him. I want to open the front in just a moment. And if you're here this morning and you know that God is is calling you to the very thing that I've talked about today. Not just forgiveness. He's not just calling you to forgiveness. He's calling you to a transformed life. Maybe you prayed earlier during the service. Maybe you took the elements of communion earlier and you prayed. I want you to seal that. I want you to seal it. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come as we prepare to close. The enemy of your soul wants to keep you bound by your history. He wants to keep you bound in rejection, bound in shame, bound in condemnation, bound in the limitations of a natural life. The enemy of your soul wants to keep you bound in sin. Living far under the privilege that is yours in God. But God wants to liberate you. And again, this morning, I know I'm not talking to everyone, but many of you this morning, you would just say, I want that life. I want that life in God. I want that life of growth. I want that life of transformation. I want to embrace worship. I want to embrace prayer. I want to embrace nurturing. I want to embrace the word and teaching. I want to embrace stewardship of the gifts of God. This is what I want. This is what I want. I want it for me, and I'm going to step into it fully. I'm going to step out of the old, out of what's been my habit, my pattern, my resistance. and I'm going to step into this walk with God. If that's you, we're going to close in worship this morning. I invite you to come. Allow us to pray with you. Allow the kiss of God to come on your life. Let's pray together. Father, Come on with me. Father, I thank you for transformation today. New life, sonship, fullness of inheritance, separation and calling. And I run to you. And the goal, the goal, the goal the goal of Jesus I embrace with all of my heart in Jesus name Amen